Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Lisbeth Batasar. Lisbeth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, I'm pumped up to have a conversation with you. I want to tell I want to tell everybody who's tuning in a little bit about Lisbeth. She is a first-generation college graduate and lawyer in San Diego. She's a zealous advocate for people accused or charged with a crime. She is an introvert who enjoys hiking and traveling in her spare time. So Liz, let's jump right on into the interview. What inspired you to become an attorney? Okay, so I don't think there's like a one specific thing that really inspired me to be an attorney, but I remember in high school as a junior, uh, we had what's called a junior exhibition and we were told, hey, do some research on a career that you may be interested in. And I actually really wanted to be a vet. I completely love animals. I could see myself being like a vet. And I was, I was really interested in that. But when I learned how much science went into it, I was kind of taken aback and I was like, nah, you know what, this isn't for me. I should probably do something that I can be good at and that I can enjoy and that I'm, I'll be passionate about. And so I kind of got to thinking, well, what could that be? And I realized that I love reading, I love writing. And I don't know why it just kind of came to me that maybe being a lawyer was gonna be the right career path for me. Um, so that's really kind of what like led me into it. But really what cemented me wanting to be a lawyer was uh, having a baby when I was a senior in high school, I got pregnant. And so my son then became my inspiration for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I, I read about your story on Instagram and you shared about that. And, and, and what I love about your story and the authenticity that you, you give with, with, with your journey is um, you own that. You share like this, this moved you in a new direction. Um, when did you decide to, hey, I want to, I want to tell people about that detail of the journey. When did you decide, hey, I want to, I want to be forthright and, um, and transparent about that detail of your journey? I don't think I ever really thought about it. I was just like, it's just my life. It, it's what I happened to me. Um, you know, getting pregnant in high school was really like demoralizing. Um, I, I don't, I think nobody expected that from me. I know I didn't expect that from me. I was supposed to be the smart one, the one that knew what I needed to do. And for that to happen to me was really devastating to have to tell my mom about it. It was just crushing. And I think about it and I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, um, I just, I want to be transparent with anybody because I feel like it's important for people to know that, you know, that might be a big, obviously a big thing that happens in your life. But it doesn't mean you have to doesn't mean you have to stop. You can continue your education and especially your um, going on and get going to college and getting a degree because it's no longer just about yourself. It's now about supporting another little person. And in this case, was it was my son. I had a I had a little boy by the name of Adrian, and he became my sole focus and my motivation. All I wanted to do was you know, um, make him proud of me, make him see that his mom could do it. Yes. I love that. I love that inspiration. And I feel like he'll be able to tell that story for the rest of his life that I became my mom's inspiration to become as your biography speaks to 
to become that first generation college graduate and then lawyer on top of that, which is a powerful thing. And you know, what I want to highlight for our listeners is some, some events in life that, that can be crushing, like Liz, like Liz said, it can be crushing. We can use those at times as an excuse, or we can use those as an inspiration. And I think Liz's story shows us to use whatever happens in your life, especially if it's, it's a negative or if it's crushing, like she explained, to use whatever happens to you as inspiration and not an excuse. Exactly. And what really cemented also that was that learning about being a teen mom, I went on to do some research and I found that fewer than 2% of teenage moms actually get a college degree by the time they're 30. And I didn't know that. I, I just knew that the statistics, that there were bad statistics with teenage moms because it becomes a cycle of poverty where, um, you know, you get stuck in it because most teenage moms have to drop out of school to take care of the baby. They lose support from their family. They can lose support from the, you know, the, the baby's father. And so even then learning that statistic even made me more like sad, but it actually encouraged me to be like, okay, no, I'm not going to be another bad statistic. Yes, I, you know, I got pregnant when I probably shouldn't have, but that, that, that's not going to define me. What's going to define me is what I can do with it and, you know, keep pushing for my ultimate goal, which was to be a lawyer. And, you know, I, I managed to achieve it. It was really difficult because I, when I was, my baby was three months, I was already in community college. I left them, you know, with a person I trusted at three months, but it was difficult. I, um, having to leave him when he was so young, but I, I was just like, okay, well, this is a sacrifice that I'm going to make, but hopefully one day I can be there more for him. And he'll realize that this was all for us. Mm, Yes. Wow. Um, let's encourage the listeners for a moment. Um, so if you're listening in, you might not be a teen mom, but if you know a teen mom, I, usually I wait till later in the podcast to say this, but tag a teen mom, send this podcast to the teen mom and let Liz be the inspiration for them to keep going, to not be one of the, the as she said, the negative statistics. But to be a, be a statistic where she can be this inspiration for other people. And really, it's, I, love, I love the visual of she's, she's a trailblazer and not succumbing to the negative statistics, but being that statistic of inspiration. And, and sometimes I don't think about it. I'm like, I did it. You know, I, I don't think about my journey until I have to reflect on it for, some, like, and for something like this. And I realized, wow, like I was thinking about it last night as I was kind of preparing for this. I said, oh my God, like I became a lawyer when I was 26 years old. Like I went straight from high school to community college where I did two years. I took a year off and then I went straight into uh, California State University, San Marcos. And then I, another two years I was done. And then I went, I think I took another six months off and then went straight to law school and I went to law school part-time because again, I was a mom and I wanted to still spend time with my son, still have time to work. So I was working uh, full-time all throughout law school until I couldn't anymore, until I had to study for the bar. But, um, you know, it it definitely was tough, but it's been so, how would I even say this? It's been like the ultimate experience to be able to say like, I did it. 
Hmm. I can imagine you just on the on the, the graduation day or even passing the bar. I think all of those moments, you know, you just look back and I, and I remember um, I had one of those moments when I was dancing with my mom on my wedding day, right? And there was there was something about that moment. I mean, I'm bawling, crying. She's bawling, crying, and we're just like it's this magical moment where you're remembering all of the problems all of the trials, but we're still here. And to think about you um, persevering, enduring through it all. And then even to get the law degree at, at 26, that, that's remarkable for anybody, even much more so with some of the, the obstacles you mentioned you faced. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people younger than me. I just, I still think that's relatively good, I hope. But yeah, you mentioned that moment that you had with your mom. Like, I can see that I haven't been married, or but passing the bar and like waiting for the results, it was at home. And I knew I was going to like cry, but I didn't. And I thought my mom was going to cry. But what I didn't expect was my dad to cry. So like, I remember getting the results, screaming, going to the garage. My dad was talking to someone on the phone and I started screaming and he thought I was like, something was wrong with me. And then I was like, I passed, I passed, I did it. I'm a lawyer. And he, we both started bawling. And mm. I told my mom and she was like, yeah, I, I knew it. Like, I knew you were going to do it. And it was just the complete react opposite reactions that I thought each one would have. I mean, they were both proud of me, but I don't really see my dad cry. So to see him was like, we were both, like you said, that moment, you're just bawling. Cause you're like, it's, it's happened. I know you're over here getting me teary-eyed right now, thinking about your dad <laughs> crying. <laughs> I, I think this is a don't cry. My, my dad is like Mex from Mexico, like full on, like you know, he's tough, like he's your like hardworking typical dad, like nonstop. And um, yeah, for him to like cry was definitely one of those big things where I'll always remember. Mm, yes, yes, yes. I think this is the first podcast. I think I'm like 70 episodes in. This first one where I got teary-eyed. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's the power of your story. So let, let me ask you, uh, what, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? I think the big thing would be to be able to help my community. And I think a legal education is a privilege that not a lot of people of color have. And so like I kind of briefly mentioned, I'm Mexican-American. My my parents are from Mexico, but I obviously was born here in the United States. I'm a second language learner. Uh, my parents only speak Spanish. So when I was little, um, they'd only speak to me in Spanish. I learned English with my cousins, TV, and then obviously when I went off to elementary school. But um, seeing like seeing how few Latino attorneys there are kind of motivated me to maybe be like why why is that the case why is there not more and seeing uh you know Sonia Sotomayor sitting in the highest court as a U.S. Supreme Court justice um when she was appointed kind of really was like monumental like the first time I got to see a Latina at the highest court third woman ever to be appointed is really inspiring and for me like it's such, it, I guess what I'm going at is that um, my clients are so appreciative that I speak their language, that I am fluent in Spanish, and they get to tell me, their attorney, their exact story. There's no 
there's no um, interpreter, there's no legal assistant helping me. I'm sitting there with my client and I'm able to like gauge their story and they're able to tell me what's going on. So they're so grateful for that. And I'm like, you shouldn't have to be grateful for that, but they are. And they mention it. And I'm like, wow, like, I feel like that just builds another bond between myself and my clients where it'd be different if, if the attorney doesn't speak your language. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I think the one, one thing you said early on, um, early on, just right, right now, you mentioned the concept of representation. I think, uh, it's always it's always powerful, you know. I think some stats are you know uh, passing around Instagram, but I think it was like two percent um, of the attorneys are uh, are Latina, right? Um, and I think you know, you uh, being a part of that representation and and being able to be that ambassador because it, it's true. It's it's we w- what I know about um, some of the, the psyche of, of people is you're more likely to trust people who you perceive to be like you. So you being that ambassador from the, the language perspective, from the color, you know, being a woman of color, um, being, uh, being a Mexican-American, you know, them relating to that. And I think it, it adds so much power to your, your connection with your, with your clients. Yeah, you said it beautifully. I couldn't explain that, but you're right. It's that being able to click with somebody on your own level, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. And by the way, I'm passionate about showcasing the Latina attorneys um, mm-hmm. on the podcast, which has been a, a theme of mine for the last month or two here. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful to, to, to just be a part of showing more people what you're, what you're all about. Um, and, I, and I love showcasing the 2%, if you will. Now, glad to be part of the percent. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, how did you decide to focus on the specific area of law that you're focused on? And when remind me, what's what's the, the specific area of law that you're? Is it criminal, criminal defense? Yeah, I, I, we primarily I primarily focus on criminal defense, but our firm also does personal injury. Um, I just I assist with it a lot, obviously, but um, I would say that my the bulk of my work is with criminal law and criminal defense. And so um, I think that I knew I wanted to do criminal law when I was, again, senior in high school this time, because I actually, because of my junior exhibition where I put in the work and the, to see what it took to be an attorney, I ended up requesting an internship at the public defender's office here in San Diego County, specifically here in Vista. And I, um, I got to see, I got to go to court. I got to meet some of like the DAs, the sheriffs and like see a little bit of what went on. And I, I was blown away. I, I like being around people. I, I know there are other types of law where you're sitting in your computer in your office. You're not really going out a lot, but with criminal law, you're, it's a constant, like fast pace. You're with, you're around a lot of other people and I like that. I enjoyed that. I just kind of knew that that was where I was going to go. The cases are fascinating. And also one of the things that my boss mentioned was he's like, you know, like people really need more. We need more Latino attorneys because you know that when I go to the jails, like it's primarily all Latinos seeing their family members or, you know, Hispanic people. And, and so what, what's wrong with that? Where even though the Hispanic population isn't as large as the other type of uh, other people here, the people incarcerated are still 
a lot, there's still a huge percentage of Latinos in custody. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yes, uh, no, uh, absolutely. I think from the, 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 the fast paced component, um, I, I feel like there's, there's a theme with your story where it's like, it's weaved in, um, it's weaved in about um, the people, you know, and really in, in, in this context, you know, me being Mexican American as well, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting concept because um, I think recently beginning to think about it as like our people, you know, and mm -hmm. I think I, I, I hear that from you is that's kind of connected to each part of your journey, uh, whether it's what you enjoy or even specializing in criminal defense and loving the fast paced component of it, but also realizing there's a number of our people that you, you're going to be able to help um, support um, in the in their uh, whether it's criminal defense or you, and you mentioned um, also personal injury as well. Right. So what has been one challenge that you faced as an attorney and have overcome? I think the biggest challenge I faced so far is that feeling that I'm an imposter, that I don't belong here. Um, I don't know if a lot of Latina lawyers feel this way or a lot of Latinos in general that are in the field, but I, you mentioned that Latinas only represent about 2% of, America, of American lawyers. And so speaking in a room full of men, older men who have like tons more of experience than I do, it's been hard to find my voice. I still am pretty like quiet and shy even when I'm in front of the judges because I'm just nervous that I'm going to like mess something up or I'm going to say something wrong and I'm going to like be made fun of. Um, and really like being confused for like the court reporter or the interpreter or the intern, that happens a lot. I think it has to do primarily because I do look pretty young and I am relatively young, um, but also because I think I am a woman of color. I think that does play into it because I don't look like a typical lawyer. I am, I'm not the typical lawyer, right? And so there's like these microaggressions of not, I feel like that we have to face, that I face. Um, thankfully, San Diego County, I have to say, because I'm primarily here, this really is my like hometown. Um, I've gotten to know like the people, the judges. Um, and so it's not as bad, but if I travel outside San Diego County, I do see it. Like when I go to Riverside or like Santa Ana, I'm like, they, I always get questioned like, are you an attorney? And I'm like, yes, this is why I'm back here with you guys. This is why I'm past the, past the, um, the, the, the spot where people can't, the, you know, people that are there for court can't go past, but you know, I'm, I try to be graceful about it and great and gracious. Sure. Sure, yeah. right, right. I know it, it's something, uh, well, in just an interview the past couple of days, you know, that, that issue came up a lot. You know, this, that imposter syndrome, like feeling like I don't belong and, 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 uh, and in questioning that, um, and I, I appreciate you, you talking about being gracious about it because um, it can be, like you mentioned microaggressions, you know, like those subtle jabs to the ego, you know, like, of course, you know, of course I'm an attorney, you know, or whatever, but, but um, th th those can be, those can be subtle, um, subtle jabs to the psyche, you know, in, into your, 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 your mind frame, your, your, your mindset and in um, overcoming that and having to overcome that again, to, to your point, 
um, appearing younger and then being a woman of color, those add layers to the, um, the, the way people treat you and interact with you and sometimes don't give you the immediate credit they might give to somebody else who looked different. Right. And that's, that's the small, subtle things, like you said, that are hard to kind of overcome sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, so, go ahead, go ahead. Gracious. But I've said, uh, but trying to be gracious about it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's hard. So what, what's the, what would you say helps you? Uh, it, it, because I, I, just, I hear this over and over again. Again, I hear, I've heard it not only from attorneys, but, but in my world as a business coach, because I've worked with doctors as well, um, doctors as well, expressing the same concept. When you think about overcoming imposter syndrome, what's, what's maybe one tip that, that works for you that, um, that you would share with other people who are listening in? I think just believing in yourself. Um, you got to this point, like, I'm not an imposter. I have the same, you know, I, I became, I went to college, I went to law school, I passed the bar. I did everything that the other person did. I may be lacking experience. So, you know, it's something definitely that I, I will work on, but knowing that you belong and that, you know, you just have to find your place in it. Right. And the overall scheme of things, but not being afraid to, to find their voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Believing, believing in yourself and not um, being afraid to find your voice. Okay. I, I like those concepts. Um, Let's encourage the listeners, believe in yourself. If you have, you know, so many of us um, have credentials that that if we process them, the the credentials we have and what we've done, the experiences we have, they can give us so much confidence if we genuinely step back and process and believe in yourself, as, as Liz mentioned right here. Okay, what is... One common challenge other attorneys face, and what do you think might be a great solution to that challenge? I have to be honest with this one. I think that the most common challenge all attorneys face is feeling burnt out. So meaning they don't take care of their mental health. Um, You know, lawyers have a bad rep of drinking a lot. There's a high percentage of lawyers who, who do drink and then they see their, they like actually have problems with it. And so Um, I'm not saying all lawyers drink, but I'm just saying that that is definitely one of those things that lawyers face. Because if you think about it, we do have a very stressful job. We get paid to take on your problems at the worst possible moment of your life. You're never going to go see a lawyer because you want to see a lawyer. You're seeing a lawyer because you're getting divorced. You have to sue somebody. You're getting sued. You're getting arrested. You're, you're, you know, you've been charged with something, um, and so we know your job is on the line. We know your reputation's on the line and the pressure's on. So we're taking that pressure from you guys and putting that on us. And so um, that's what I think obviously contributes to our stress levels and to our, I don't think a lot of enough attorneys taking care of their mental health, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Um, and, and while I don't talk about uh, mental health, you know, as my main part of my business, but to your point about um, what I'm hearing from you is like that holistic success because somebody could have a lot of success in their career because they overly focus on the career. So if you look just at the angle of their career, it looks good. It looks positive. It looks, it looks um, triumphant, 
but to your point about the other parts like alcohol like alcoholism mental health burnout as you mentioned and so and really um giving credit to the rest and relaxation that's crucial with our holistic success exactly so i think the solution to that may be to first of all identify you have a problem with it and then actually Obviously, this is obvious, right? Find a healthy way to cope with it, whether it's exercising, hiking, just watching Netflix, just decompressing in the best way that you know how to it. For everybody, it's different. For me, I like to just turn off my phone and watch Netflix and not worry about anything and watch Simpsons with my son and just, just focus on the funny, right? Like not think about anything else and make time for it. Mm, yes. Focus on the funny. I think that is a happiness principle from the happiness advantage. Focus on the funny. Those things do count and help our holistic um, well-being. Okay, tell me what has been the best way to market your law firm? I know you're you're in charge of the marketing for the law firm, right? Um, I play a big part of it. I'm not completely in charge of it, but definitely I think social media, it's, we've seen a rising trend in it and it's going up and up. Um, and so just kind of keeping up with the social media trends, like I'm, you know, I don't feel like I'm young anymore. And so like you have your TikTok, you have like your other little apps that people are like always browsing through and um, just keeping up with all of that and making sure you're very available and have a good social media presence. Because I think that's one of the first things people look for now. I mean, besides obviously how good of an attorney you are, they also want to know, like, are you doing anything else? Mm hmm. Yes. And by the way, the whole reason that you and I are even on the podcast together is because of your social media presence. So um, you clearly are doing something right for us to be able to be connected from Texas to California. Yeah, I mean, I just started that. I'm like, you know what, let's let's wrap this up. Let's work on it. It's definitely work. I mean, kudos to those who actually do it for a job. Like, it's hard. It's hard coming up with things. And, you know, um, and it's hard to also put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Yes, there, there is, you know, uh, sometimes people don't like stuff, you know, you get like, oh, we got, I, my last post, you know, my last post got one like or something like that. Sometimes, I mean, I know, yeah, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure you don't have that problem, but I, I, but, but sometimes I'm looking at things and I'm putting extra, you know, time and effort. And then um, it does, sometimes things don't get the traction that you think um, yeah. you would have got. Um, exactly. No, but but not being discouraged because I, I that happens to me i'm like oh why didn't this post get like this many likes and this one that i didn't even put time into got like a hundred times more likes i'm like but you know <laughs> i did i guess it's what people want to right right <laughs> yes so what what advice would you offer someone just starting their career as an attorney i think this is pretty cliche but finding something you're passionate about. I don't, I think that can be applied to any career, really. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Like I told my son, like, okay, I want you to go to college, please. I, I really do. But if you're not going to go to college, it's fine. Find something that you're passionate about. You want to be an electrician, be the best electrician you can be. Be, you want to be a mechanic, be a mechanic. You want to be an artist. Okay. Go to art school, like actually hone your skills, whatever it is that you want to do. But as long as you're passionate about it, right? And you are gonna love what you're doing. Yes, be passionate about it. And um, I think about passion, it's it's so often the, the difference between the highest achievers 
and mediocrity, right? And I think somebody, you know, hearing your passion already, it's clear, you know, you, you, you're not striving to settle for, mm -hmm. for mediocrity. I know I'm not trying to settle for mediocrity. And often that biggest difference is if somebody's doing the job that I'm doing and they're not passionate about it, then I think I'm going to beat them because I have passion. Just like you, you know, if somebody's in your, in your position doing the job that you're doing for another law firm, if they're not passionate about them, you're going to outperform them over and over again because that passion will make the difference. Exactly. I hope so. I hope the passion is important. Mm -hmm. and now, it, it is, you know, it is definitely uh -huh. what's going to drive you. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it keeps you, it keeps you going. It, it keeps you um, putting in some of that extra time. I know you mentioned earlier, um, you know, some of the extra, sometimes the job requires some extra commitment and, uh, and that passion will, will make it okay. Um, I mean, maybe you already answered this next question, but, but what has helped you establish work-life balance as an attorney? I think learning to prioritize things. I actually was, a, I would say I was a self-proclaimed workaholic. I genuinely like would pick up emails. Doesn't matter what time I saw an email come in. I'm like, oh my God, I have to respond. I'd get a call. I'd respond. Like it was so bad that one of my ex-boyfriends ex was like, I can't deal with it. It's too much. You don't even like have time to have dinner and put the phone down. You're always running around. Like, I'm like, okay, I got it. That relationship didn't work, but I, I got the point. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? He was right. There is definitely a, this balance that I need to find. And, and then knowing that, um, you know, I have to like be a good mom, be healthy mentally for my son and spend time with him as well. A balance because I'm still at the office. I thought I'd be at home. Like I kind of mentioned earlier and I just had a client kind of walk in. So I'm like, okay, I'll just have him. <laughs> Dealing with both, right? Where I'm doing something kind of like personal and now I have to, work gets thrown at me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, well um, I, I, saw, I saw you gesturing and you're doing good staying focused, um, but, but no, I'm, I'm glad you took care of that real quick. Um, not a problem at all. Um, Work-life balance, you mentioned that. Okay, great. Let's move on to the next question. Um, all right, next one. What is the best advice you received about being an attorney? The best advice that I received about being an attorney? Huh. I, I don't know. You know what? Throughout the years, I've tried to like listen to everybody and just things from here and people from there like, that's a good one. I don't know what the best advice is. I just know that the best advice is just, again, like, uh, again, very cliche, but like, uh, be yourself, be passionate, be, be yourself and actually just brand yourself and like embrace yourself. I actually had an, a, yeah, a female colleague tell me that she's like, you know what? People said that maybe this wasn't the best thing for my brand and she's like I didn't care like I'm gonna brand myself because that's who I am that's who I want to be known as and I'm like that's right yeah you know and embrace it like it's it wasn't anything bad she you know she just embraced a lot of her femininity as a lawyer and so I think that's probably one of the best things I've, I've gotten just knowing that you know you are who you are and 
people are going to like you. Sometimes they're not going to like you. Sometimes I know that definitely some people don't like the type of work I do because I get often asked, like, how can you represent people that have been accused of these horrible crimes? And I mean, quite simply, I'm like, look, everybody's entitled to a defense and I'm here to protect rights and liberties, making sure that law enforcement didn't violate your rights. So this is where we're at. Um, I love what I do. And mm. nobody's going to tell me otherwise and or change my mind about it. Yes. I like that. I like it, uh, you know, being yourself. Um, also, uh, it, it is interesting, you know, when I talk to um, attorneys who are in criminal defense, I, I, that's one question I sometimes I'll, I'll work in there, which is asking them, uh, how do you, when, when you meet people and then they, um, they hear about what you do, What's some of the responses that they have to um, to learning about what you do in, in your profession? It's often the whole like, oh, like, how can you stand people like that? Oh, how can you represent them? Oh, are you only representing innocent people? Like, I think what people don't understand is that weirdly enough, people that have been charged or, or arrested for a crime, they they know they did wrong and they're not looking to get out of it. They're just looking to find a fair, a fair punishment. I don't think. I don't think people really realize that it's we're not as criminal defense attorneys we're not looking for loopholes to have bad people not you know be you know be um held to the crime they committed committed but we are here to make sure hey did law enforcement make the right call should they haven't even been stopped was it a bad call like um did they violate your rights? And if they, if it's all a no to that, and it's all, it was a perfect valid legal arrest. And the next thing is, okay, like, look, let's take into consideration this person's history. You know, this could be a first time offense. Like everybody, everybody makes mistakes. And I firmly believe everybody deserves a second chance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big thing from our firm that we really do believe that, you know, people do deserve that second chance. Mm. Yes. A great insight. I, I think uh, that's that's helpful, and and I think that's one of the things that does run through my mind. It, to to be frank about when I speak to a criminal defense attorney, I wonder: do they represent like people who say they're innocent? Do they represent people who are guilty? Like that goes through my mind. Not it may not yeah. come out of my mouth, but it but it does go through my mind because um because it's it's a uh, as you mentioned it's a honest thought that people have. Of, so what kind of criminals do you defend? You know and. <laughs> And, um, but right, right now, I, I, I think you giving that context um, is, is, is helpful for people who are not involved like you are. You have a lot of internal context. We have kind of like external perspective, which most of the time isn't valid. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just a, I bring a different perspective for sure. Yes, yes. So if somebody was listening to this podcast and they listen, they said, you know what? I'm, I'm hearing Lisbeth's story. I'm hearing her passion. I want to do something to support her, to help her, whether that's social media or something else. If somebody was listening that could help you or your law firm in any way, what would you want them to do to help support everything that you're about? I think it would definitely be to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I would say obviously reviews, but I only ask reviews for my clients because I, I asked them, you know, hey, you know, if you don't mind, leave a review of our services. It's really helpful for our online presence. But the big thing is just following us on social media, just because um, at least for me, what we're trying to do is, you know, give out some general advice, what to expect, what not to expect, what to do, what not to do during certain things. So it's not, you know, you'll get 
actual like I feel like actual useful information if you follow us. Um, at least that's what we're obviously trying to generate. Um, so that that would be the best thing. And I love meeting new people. I love connecting. Uh, people want to message me on Instagram, actually Instagram, or even email me. I'm really good about replying to my emails for the most part. <laughs> awesome. Now, so so remind people of the handle on Instagram and your handle on uh, Facebook. On my uh, Instagram, it's uh, Lisbeth, my first name, underscore attorney, or I think vice versa. I'm kind of like zoning out on that. And then for our firm, I believe it's like JD Law underscore law underscore offices. I'm trying to think. I can probably send that to you. And then on Facebook, we're just JD Law. Okay. No, that's fine. What we'll get a chance to do is I'll put that information in the show notes. So anybody listening in, if you want to go support her, follow I think Facebook five star reviews are okay. I, I, I remind me if if that's okay. Is that is that yeah. only for clients or can podcasts? No, it, it, yeah, it could be anybody. I've I've had people be so like I'll pick up the phone sometimes and people will ask me for ex attorney and I'm like I'm sorry like I don't do family law but let me refer you to somebody that I can trust and I know and that's also like a, a Latino Latina that speaks Spanish and they're like so grateful. And I'm like, Hey, if you don't mind, like, uh, we would, you know, I give them the information, I text it to them. And they're like, I'm like, if you don't mind, like, would you leave me a review if how I treated you? And a lot of people are really gracious about it. And they're like, yeah, of course you took the time. And I'm thankful for that. Like, because, you know, um, I want to know that I can be like a first resource for people. Like I tell people when I meet them, look, I may not be an immigration attorney, that's like the biggest thing I get. Do you do immigration? Mm -hmm. But I can refer you to attorneys that do that. Uh, and that I trust that actually like I work with that. I, I like how they work. Yes, yes, yes. I, I love that. I love that. So yes. So if you're listening in podcast listeners, go give those five-star reviews um, for mm -hmm. sure on Facebook. And then um, I know you said you don't ask for, for, for non-clients, but just support what Liz is talking about. We're going to, again, we'll put all the, the, the handles and the contact details in the show notes. Let's, let's use one last question for us to, before we wrap this up. What are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? I would have to say the hard work, the ethic of working hard because my parents are really one of my biggest inspirations. Um, my dad is from Querétaro. My mom is from Oaxaca. And they're both, you know, my dad's a roofer. My mom was a housekeeper slash um, stay-at-home mom. And I mean, I was working at like, I, the earliest memories I have is working, like going to my, with my mom and like cleaning houses. And, and like, so I really actually like cleaning. And that really instilled in me this hard work ethic of what it means to to want to succeed. My parents always said, you know, like get an education, be better than us. Um, just work with your mind, not your body. Like when you get older, you want to have something that you can fall back on. Like never, you know, they were never pushy about it. They were just always, always supportive. Um, they steered me in the right direction. And I have to say that like, I hate lazy people. I hate people that don't put in the effort that, that they should, or that they could, even if you're giving it, like I told my son, like, you don't have to be perfect. I just need to see effort. I need to see that you're at least trying. And I think for me, that's probably the most important quality that 
I admire in people because that's what my parents showed me. And that's what I've tried to embody in my career with my clients, with my friends and, and loyalty <laughs> and being there for people. Yes, yes. Well, um, I know you mentioned your parents are Spanish speaking. So let me give them two words. Bien hecho. I think that, I think <laughs> that means well done. I, I don't, I'm not great with Spanish. Um, I'll try it when I'm feeling a little bit more confident, but I think um, them being somebody who, who people who are your inspiration, it's always a beautiful, powerful thing for me to talk to a daughter or our son who are inspired and motivated from their parents' example. In this context, of course, it's with the, the work ethic. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, well, thank you, Liz, for, for joining me on the Strong Life Coach podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I was really nervous. I hope I gave your listeners something worthwhile to hear. Um, like I said, I don't, I send me messages. Like I tell people like all the time, like if you have questions about law school, I'd be more than happy to answer them. It's been a couple of years, but I will give you whatever I remember, tips on the bar, passing the bar, like anything that I could do to help a fellow person that, you know, wants the help. I'd be, you know, I'm more than willing. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the, you know, having the chance to tell a little bit about my story. Mm, and yeah, you're right. You did a fantastic job. Again, nobody's ever made me almost, nobody's got me teary-eyed before on a podcast. So you you are the first one to move me in, in, in an emotional way in, um, in that space. Um, for those listening in, let me thank you for tuning in to another podcast episode. Go over to the Apple Podcast and give us that five-star rating. Of course, remember to su subscribe. And remember, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. And we'll connect with you on the next episode.